All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special edition mini podcast of the Beyond the Numbers podcast. I'm your host, Rello. Um, I'm looking at you, Austin, but you got to go last, bro. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's all good, man. We got a special guest. So, you know, I'll, you I'll take the back seat. Yes. I'm, I'm glad I come off the bench today. That's all good. You could be Manu today. It's all good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, but we got a special guest um, from the sports business classroom, national writer for Beach Report, formerly of the LA Times, cap expert, and I'm going to say guru, uh, Eric Pincus. Thank you for having us. For having <laughs> all right. Today. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, so we we were talking a little bit before you started recording, and I, I got some uh, a fun little topic for you. Um, was on your LinkedIn a little bit, and saw you went to Beverly Hills High School back in the eighties. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills High School. <laughs> um, how was nine hundred two one zero to you when it came out? Was it a depiction of what <laughs> Beverly Hills was like in the eighties? Well, what? so so like they went to West Beverly High in that school in, in the show. Yeah. Okay? So the problem is, is that like Beverly High, the actual Beverly High is on the westmost part of Beverly Hills. You go any more west and you're in Century City like it is on the border of Beverly Hills. You can't have where's West Beverly High going to be if Beverly High is as west as it is. So that bothers me. But I mean, if you call it East Beverly High, we got no problem, right? Because you can go anywhere <laughs> past the school is east. Everything is east. So, uh, I mean, I. You know, I, I grew up in Beverly Hills. I came here uh, when I was well, it, it, right before second grade. Uh, my folks came out. We had uh, my uncle lived with us and my brother and we had a one bedroom place like on the outs, like like literally like my folks lived in L.A. and I lived in Beverly Hills because the line went right through the house, you know, apartment. <laughs> and then eventually we got like a two bedroom and eventually, you know, my my folks started businesses and survived and eventually we got a house and, and I, you know, but definitely lucky and, and blessed in, in what I had, but I grew up with a lot of people who came from money and like live with money from, and it was a, it was fascinating to see like, you know, money can't buy you happiness. And it's when you have a lot of money and if you're like, well, what's the point of life? Well, that's hard to like, most of us are like scrambling just to make ends meet. And so we don't have time for those kind of big picture things. So I, I learned a lot by being around that, being around people who were you know very wealthy. Uh, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm not far from Beverly Hills. I live just South near Culver city. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great, I, I can't complain about it. The most famous uh, classmate of mine was Eric Menendez. Does that sound familiar? Eric yeah, Menendez. That might be before my time. I don't remember know. the guys who killed their parents and went to oh, jail. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yes, no kidding, <laughs> crazy, right? And then like my brother, who is three years young. I have another brother, brother and sister. But my middle brother, or my next youngest brother, he, his most famous classmate was Monica Lewinsky. So oh, wow. you know we. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I I I got a growing up in L.A. You know, it's it's yeah, a cool. Wow. I can't complain. You get a little jaded. You just sort of like. You know, I see people all the time, famous people. It's like whatever. Yeah, they'll say I I don't get that impressed, but you know, Monica's actually pretty pretty damn cool. I'm not gonna lie, she's cool people. So oh, all good. Nice. I was gonna go somewhere else, but I'm not gonna do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna breeze past that. But uh, yeah, I love L.A. Man, I went I went two years ago. I'm a Laker fan, diehard Laker fan, even though I'm from Jersey, big Kobe guy. So okay. L.A. is like. It, ideally, I would live in a city like LA, but it's six hours away from a flight, so it's not ideal. But um, 
Yeah, let's jump into hoops now, man. Um, and we want to know a little bit more about your background. How did you become obsessed with the NBA and into the CBA? Because listen, I've I've told myself I wanted to dive into those CBAs multiple times, and I just can't get the motivation to do it. So <laughs> how did you do it? Well, I mean, it's it's um, I mean, it's not easy. You don't just start by reading the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, which is like a contract between the union, the MBPA and the NBA itself. And it's not written to learn. It's not like a teaching tool. It's right. a contract. It's complicated. It's tough to read. So there are resources out there. And I, I like to think I'm one of them to try to teach that uh, and to try to help people with it, help them learn. Uh, but I started I was doing other things in life and and living my life. And at some point I was, yeah, I was going to games. I go to Laker games. I go to Clipper games. Used to get those 10 game Clipper packages over at the sports arena where it was like, you got, I got to see Jordan. You see the Lakers twice. Barkley would always come with the Suns, but never play. He don't, you know, if he talks about, oh, oh, about like low management and like complaining about the modern <laughs> times, it's like, dude, I never saw you play because you didn't couldn't bother to suit up against the Clippers. Uh, <laughs> but it, I could afford it. It was super cheap. And like no one was going to Clipper games back then. They eventually became, you know, pretty credible franchise, whether you like them or not. Back in that day, they were they were not a credible franchise. Uh, and I go to Laker games around the Nick Van Exel era. Uh check that out mostly with my my middle brother uh we would just go to you know the games like gosh they beat the spurs that one year the blazers they were not the blazers who is it they beat they beat um oh i don't know i forget it was it was some good times back then maybe seattle i think it was seattle that year it was just a lot of fun back in the day and so uh but this was just sort of like you know what i did on the side having fun spending my money and then i realized at some point that hey wait a sec they actually pay people to go to games and there are jobs in that universe. So that's what I should be doing is try to figure out how to make that happen. And I found that people liked, you know, when I wrote about, you know, I just started writing and and people responded for whatever reason, I, I could communicate what I saw pretty well. I'm not like the expert on every aspect of the league, but um, over time I realized like that game between the lines yeah, is one game. But what about when you step off those lines, how did those teams get built? Every fan wants to know, how does your team get better? How can our team, even if you are the Nuggets, you're saying right now, how does my team get better? So we stay on top, right? So there's no team that's not saying, how do we get better? Uh, and so that's kind of the steps I took along the way where it's like, oh, there, there's a roadmap. There's a, there's a rule of the game. Just like you have traveling, you can't run with the ball, right? There's the arc, got to be behind the arc. Yep. Uh, but it can get a little gray because like you talk about the gather, and like if you show an old school person from like 20, 30 years ago, they're like, that's a travel. And I'm like, well, you know, based on the way they interpret the rules now, it's not a travel. The point being is that some of these rules are gray, right? Block charge is a tough one, right? That's yeah. hard for any ref in the moment, right? The size and the speed and where they got to have their eyeballs fixed to catch all that in the split second. It's tough. Just like that, there's a lot of nuances to the rules of, of how teams are built, sometimes gray, sometimes confusing. And uh I, for whatever reason, I have an aptitude for it. I, I figured out how to get the information, where to find it. I like to teach it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, along the way, at some point, the LA Times hired me and then Bleacher Report hired me. I've been with Bleacher for, I don't know, six, seven years now. I can't, I'd have to look it up on my LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I work with Sports Business Classroom since 2016 and uh, cannot complain. Uh, and here I am, happy to be on the show. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible because, like I said, it it takes time to learn this this stuff, 
And I've over time been able to get some of the basics of it down. Um, but there's things like the double tax taper now, like that I have to kind of be intimate with. But I want to go back to you having Clip Clipper season tickets. That's I mean, that's that's commitment there. And then yeah. <laughs> that's like the original Clipper Daryl right there. Like. <laughs> I know Clipper Daryl forever, man. Daryl's a good guy. He's a sweet guy. Oh, nice. I'm I'm sure, man. He has to be to go to all those games. But um, let's talk about the Clippers for a second. How how is their outlook with you know they just acquired James Harden, the double apron tax is out there. They're over they're over that, correct? Like they're over that double apron tax. I think right. So yeah, it's I, so their moves going forward are really strapped. Um, what do you think about that move? And if you think, I mean, they haven't been playing well, obviously at, at all. And it, the future looks bleak. So in hindsight, what do you think about that move? Well, I mean, in foresight and hindsight, I wasn't in love with them chasing Harden, but they had clearly set their sights like this is what we're going to do. And so I get it. Like for one, they lost their first five games when they got Russ. They turned out to be pretty good. And then Kawhi got hurt. And yeah, they lost a bunch when they first got James. I'm watching it now. I'm starting to see that it's coming together. So I, I don't think it's like end of the world desolate. I do think that they're flawed. I think there's some issues, uh, but I do think they could potentially be good. I don't trust that they'll be good. I, you know, I don't trust the health. I don't know that they can overcome the holes, but I do think they'll be better than what they've shown the last couple of weeks or month or since they made the trade. That said, uh, it, it's technically, so when they first gave the new rules, I called it the double apron too. It's technically the second apron. Mm -hmm. I still call it the double apron sometimes, but they're over this second apron. That doesn't matter much this year, but it matters moving forward after the season. Cause that's when they start to do things like freeze draft picks and make it hard to like, if at some point they're going to need to rebuild maybe in five years, maybe not, but let's say they're the worst team in the league and it's a year that a player like women is number one in the draft and they would have been number one, but because of what they're doing now, they're like 30 or 29 because they got dropped to the end of the first because of overspending now, like that's a potential path. I don't know that it's going to happen, but it's a, re a potential reality. But what's fascinating is that they, they don't really have much on the books next year. Uh, that's guaranteed. They don't have Paul George or Kawhi. They're both player options. Uh, PJ Tucker, we assume is going to opt in to his almost 12 million bucks. Um, Russ is about 4 million. And if he's not happy and if he doesn't like the direction, he'll opt out, he'll go somewhere else. Uh, and then James Harden's a free agent. So they have some decisions to make as far as what direction to go. But at the same time, they can't really like bottom out because they don't have their picks. And if they start over and like go to cap room, are there any, like, can they rebuild the team by letting all these players go and try to trade out? A, it's, it's one of those things where they sort of pot committed. They kind of like, we invested in, in James We're we got to resign him yep. and we got to probably keep Kawhi and Paul too. So I, I don't know the path there. Uh, and then Kawhi is a bit different. I don't, you know, different kind of guy. I don't know what, what he's going to do, but odds are, is there's probably not going to be a team that has a lot of money that, is going to shell it out for Kawhi Leonard based on his injury status and his health, his age, you know? So there's, you know, if you're worried about the Clippers, yeah. I mean, if you're a Clipper fan, there's stuff to worry about. It's not a clear future. Uh, they, the, the thing that is potentially worrisome is that it might not work this year. And then they may double down and reinvest in what didn't work. And that's where it's <laughs> like, that's the worry, right? I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know what they're going to do next, but if it don't work and then you 
pay all this money to keep it not working, that's kind of a, that's kind of a difficult spot. Yeah, it seems like they just, you know, only relegated to uh, building through free agency now, and especially with like the new stadium and things like that. You, you know, you think that they uh, kind of have like a game plan. Well, I mean, free agency, all they'll have is the minimum if they're over that apron. So if they keep the, the second apron, if they keep James, if they keep Paul, they keep Kawhi and they stay at this high level, not only will they be freezing draft picks down the road, it'll be hard for them to make trades. Uh, they'll only have minimum contracts to build out. Now they could trade like a Norman Powell and take back up to 19 million. That's what, how much he makes next year, but they can't take back more than that. So, and they can't do like what they did is they took, uh, what they took, uh, um, Batum and Covington and other players and combine their salary to get James Harden. That combining, we call it aggregation. That combining goes away if you're at this second apron level. So they're just going to be at a point where the, the kind of trades that they made to date don't work. In fact, even getting Russ Westbrook, uh, he was, you know, Lakers traded him to the jazz jazz bought him out based on the rules. Now they wouldn't be able to pick him up. Uh, now at the time they could. So, the, all the tools that they've been using are being stripped away because the league just doesn't want they, – they want teams to spend and they want teams to spend to the tax and they don't even mind if teams go into the tax a little bit. That's semi-encouraged. But they don't want teams going deep into those aprons, especially that second apron. And it'll be like a hard cap for most teams. I just – we'll see what the Clippers do because I'm not entirely sure what their path forward is and – uh I don't know entirely if they know what their path forward is yet. I think there's only one path forward, to be honest with you, because I don't see. Let's let's say you you get to the the deadline and you want to. This isn't working. I don't think the value is there for any of those players for them to want to make a move like that. That's so drastic. Two, I think they resign all those guys. You just can't let you you can't let them walk with a new arena coming in. Um, Paul George is their best player, in my opinion. Um, I think Kawhi is a shell of himself, unfortunately, with all the injuries he's been going through. So he's a step slower. James Harden, talent, undeniable. But he's just, I feel like there might be need to be a switch there. Like you said, they were playing well and then Kawhi got hurt. Maybe he needs to come off the bench instead of Russ. I think Russ is an energetic player that, you know, that brings it every night. And Harden, you don't know what you're going to get out of him night to night. So maybe there's a switch. I've been saying that from, from since the trade has been made. Like, why hasn't Harden stepped up and said, say, hey, I'll come off the bench, even if it doesn't happen. Like, Russ is always the guy to, to make the sacrifice. And then it's like, like I said, who who out there would go to the Clippers if, you know, they decide to let them walk? You, you end up in a, in a new arena, Steve Ballmer's unhappy, and Ty Lue has a chance of walking away, like or saying or requesting that you know he gets bought of his con- his coaching contract. So it just becomes a a terrible snowball effect if this doesn't go correctly and you don't resign those guys. I think you just have to resign them and figure it out. I mean, you don't have to do anything. So you know, like <laughs> I hear you, but at the same time, like if if it ain't working, you're gonna now tie up your future. For multiple years it's not like you you're going to resign them for one year either right you're probably going to resign them for three years or four years and then it's like well now you're just going to be the same thing for three four years and have this payroll crunch i mean yeah you could potentially trade paul at some point who you could argue he's certainly the the freshest legged one but like james isn't coming off the bench they, they gave up the pick to get him like what westbrook they had to be convinced to to sign him last year and then 
they kept him, but you know, he was good for them. Great. But he's, you know, what like four million? He's not like the focus of their future. James Harden, in theory, is, and they need to figure out how to make it work with James, Kawhi, and Paul. And Russ has to go to the bench so they can figure that out so that they can make those kind of choices. Like if they've got to do something different, they need to know. And I don't think they learn that if if you're worrying about Russ. It's just it's a business and yeah, um, part of it, yeah. it's not necessarily fair to Russ, but at the same time, like he's also getting paid almost four million dollars for things not to be fair. You know, it's like it's it's a good problem to have. Is it is it though for them? Is it a good problem to have? I feel like they made it made it a problem. Like it's too much. It's something too much. Can well, I'm not saying I would have done it. I'm saying they did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like we we can't roll it back. It's like they went. I didn't like the move. I got why they would do it. Right. I didn't. I don't think that it, it's just too many guys who need the ball, and 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 don't do enough without it. Like I, certainly Kawhi and Paul are good defenders at the wing position, but as you mentioned, Kawhi's it's hard for him to put in that kind of effort night in, night out and preserve his body. There's always a side of it where he's like, he's protecting his body. Uh, and then James doesn't defend and uh, Russ, he can defend on the ball until you screen him off. And then the moment he's screened off, he's just running to get the rebound and usually doesn't rotate well. So like he, he's a, a very good player at what he does, but he's not a complete player necessarily. And I like Russ, um, he's difficult to be around as far as the media, like covering him. He, and he was also in a very uncomfortable situation in LA with the Lakers, right. uh, not of his own creation. Like it just, it, things went South and he doesn't, he didn't, I don't think he handled it particularly gracefully with the media, but also I also, I, I spent very little time, but a little bit of time with him outside of the media scope. And he's like a sweet guy. He's like, a you know, he's a blast. He's really like thoughtful, but what you get in front of the media is a different story. And so I try not to define a player by by those moments. That makes sense. Do you do you feel like the Clippers kind of mortgage your future a little bit with the uh with going for all the, the big names as a and you were talking about how they were uh, you know their draft picks were sliding down because of this the the, the second apron. Do you feel like they just yeah. went all in kind of like kind of like what the Nets did a couple of years ago with like KG and then bringing in Paul Pierce and I mean that's why the Celtics are for the last five, six years, like one of the best teams in the East because of what the Nets did. And the Nets have been, I mean, they had a little run with KD for a second with KD and, and James and, and Kyrie and all that. But like, realistically, they've been paying for that. You know, the people who did all that aren't even there anymore. You know what I mean? So it's no Billy King. Know, yeah. And I know Billy and like, it wasn't even Billy King's choice. Like was it, it was the owner's choice. Like Bill, I, I worked with Billy on NBA TV and it's like, I'll give an example that's not Billy, but like I've worked with somebody um, who was a GM and they had mapped out what the, the game plan was for a three-year plan. And they're in like step two of that plan. And the team is like, go sign this guy. The owner is like, go sign this guy. Former star, just about to not be a star anymore. Really not a star anymore, but by, star by name. I don't want to do it. I told them I don't want to do it. This is the plan. Let's stick to the plan. The owner wants to do it. And it gets to the point where it's clear that like, if I don't do it, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and if I do do it, I know it's not going to work and I'm going to get fired. So he did it. And a year later, he got fired. That's crazy. So if you're Billy King, is it his fault? 
that that happened. I'd like to think that the best GMs can convince or guide an owner, just like the best agents will guide their players to the right decision. But there's also a point where it's like, yeah, that's that's nice in theory, but like some owners are just not going to hear it. If you're like a billionaire, you're not listening to your employee <laughs> tell you what to do. Yeah. Some do. And, you know, like uh, some billionaires might know and might have the brains and the instinct and the guts and all that. But a lot of them don't. A lot of them are just wealthy. Good, good. You know, congrats. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, the basketball and some do. Absolutely. Some don't. And, you know, I don't think the people who bought the Nets fully got what they were doing. I don't think Billy King wanted to mortgage the future for guys who are at the very end of their careers. Like, you know, KG was, you know, legend, Paul Pierce, legends, right? But they were not, they were in the 30s. It was, you know, and Darren Williams fell off a cliff. That's not anyone's fault. He just sort of injuries and boom, he just like, he went from like all-star to borderline starter to like not in the league in like two, three years. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I feel bad for your I, your guy you work with, Bobby Marks, when he's on ESPN and they're getting on him because of that stuff. That's always funny uh, when that comes up. And then that's interesting you say that because, you know, Mark Cuban just sold, is going to sell majority stake, but he kept the basketball decision. He's like, I want to keep doing this. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's funny you brought that up. I want to get yeah. back to the cap a little bit and ask you this question. The numbers we're seeing now, these astronomical numbers, um, the Jeremy Grant contract, Still sticks out in my mind a little bit. Uh, are we the numbers that we're seeing these guys get with the extensions, the rookie extensions and the veteran extensions? Are they normal relative to cap increases? Because you know, when I was growing up, some years the cap would actually go down. So year to year, we were like, well, not year to year, but in the CBA, when the CBA came, I was like, whoa, the cap's going down. You know, salary is going to be different. I mean, LeBron was making like fourteen million dollars with the Heat. And now you're seeing these numbers up in the $27 million range for role players. Like, are we seeing normal uh, salary increases with the cap? Because I know it's supposed to increase 10% or something like that. So what are you seeing? Well, the new rules are is that it can't decrease anymore. So it'll be the worst it'll be, it'll be flat. The most it can increase is 10. And it jumped in 2016 significantly. And it's been growing really heavily. The last two years, it rose 10 each year, but then it also was flat during the COVID year. So like, but these are all proportional. And the way I like to look at it, because, you know, you say like, well, does a player deserve whatever, $40 million a year, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, We're spending as a, whatever, as a group, all of us, like from broadcast to tickets to everybody, if we're spending $10 billion a year, we certainly ain't seen it just spending that to see Steve Ballmer play basketball. You know what I'm saying? And I respect Steve Ballmer for what he's done in his life and who he is. And I might want to see like one exhibition game, but I don't want to like, I'm not paying season seats to see him play. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Jeannie Buss, Mark Cuban, you know, Reisendorf, you like you go down the list, like it's a bunch of senators and like, you know, like I, this, this is the, the talent that we're seeing. It's like, First of all, you got to win some level of of you know lottery of just being tall enough. I'm five seven on a good day. Like I barely reach five <laughs> seven. You know what I'm saying? So you know I've got like negative wingspan. I'm like five six this way and like five seven that way. It ain't great, you know. So like first of all, you got to have those gifts, and then there are plenty of tall people who can't play a lick. So then you got to actually have all that athleticism. You've got to stay healthy. You've got to like develop. You've got to like 
you go see all the thousands of tournaments, AU tournaments around the country every weekend, right? There's players everywhere, like the top players in every state at those AU tournaments may not even be good college players, right? And then those best college players may not even, 60 of them come into the league each year, roughly, and at least in the draft, and not all of them make it. And then, of course, there's some players who aren't drafted who make the league, but like, this is the best of the best athletes in the world. And if we're getting $10 billion, the way the rules work is that roughly the players as collectively are going to get half of that. Not exactly, but in the ballpark. So if they're going to get $5 billion, we've got to distribute it to the players every year, half. So I want it to go to the players. And then how do you do that? We could argue like, well, maybe it should be the max is lower so that guys aren't getting 50 so that everybody else gets more. But like the minimum salary for a rookie is still 1.1 million. Like that's real money. And you may only be in the league for one year and that how much do you take home? And we could talk, but like, still it's a lot. I mean, like even if you took home half of that, right. 500 K that was your net. I mean, okay. Maybe you can't live the rest of your life on 500 K, but you should be able to do pretty well. I mean, I think most of us would like to earn 500 K in one year, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I respect the players. I want them to earn. They deserve to earn just to have, you know, the the stress on their body, the brevity of their career, the fact that they don't control their lives, their schedule. They 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 get days off once, twice a month when the teams tell them. They, you know, it's it's the rest of their lives. They're probably going to walk in some level of discomfort. You know what I'm saying? Like it's most of them are going to have a debilitating 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 injury at some point whether it's anywhere from just a bad ankle sprain to a torn knee you know like all whatever so um yeah i mean they're they're paid well it's proportionate to the growth of of the cap it's proportionate to the growth of the income of the league and it's going the alternative is that it goes to you know mark cuban who already has more money than he needs Right. Or whoever else you want to pick out as an owner. And I'm not picking on them. And, you know, they they put up money. Right. They shell out like the league exists because, you know, the new owners are they're like building there. I'm going to Orlando later in the month, December. Uh, and I, I'm going to check out their practice facility. And I've heard it's beautiful. Like, at least that's what they tell me, you know. And so uh, I want to see it with my own eyes. And it's like they're they're building great facilities. we got more trainers and we got everything for the more, more assistant coaches than you got players on a team sometimes. And it's like <laughs> everything from, you know, nutritionists to like concierge service for the families. They're taking care of these players. There's, you know, it's a good, good environment. Uh, at least, you know, hopefully it'll stay that way uh, for the last 10 years or so. It's been relatively healthy, probably since 2011, that CBA, we've had a healthier environment in the league. And so if the players are going to get this money, God bless. And, uh, God bless you know, I'd rather go to them than somebody else that already has the money. God bless America. Cause I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like when I first saw, you know, no shots taken, but Cam Johnson making almost $30 million. I was like, I fell over my, I fell out my seat. <laughs> and it took me about two weeks to kind of bring it down a little bit and say, Hey, the cap is going up. This media deal is coming in. And then you see Jalen Brown, get his deal. Then you see LaMelo ball, get his deal. I'm like, all right. I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> I don't know what's real. I don't know what's normal anymore. So I, I think I'm I'm good. I'm in a good place now with, with the salary cap. Um, one guy that's, you know, a lot of people think he's making too much. I don't think he's making too much. And you dropped the article about him today, Zach Levine, um, making, you know, over average of $40 million over the next couple of years. 
almost super max. Almost super max. I think he's a max player. I know the defense is a, is a question, um, but you can't uh, teach that kind of scoring prowess um, in my opinion, in the NBA. And a team like the Lakers need that, but I'm not willing to overpay. And that's something you said in your article. You know, you said if the Lakers are going to deal with the Bulls, they should set the sights on bringing Andre Drummond and Alex Caruso back instead of Levine. I'm going to give you some pushback, Eric. <laughs> I, I saw Andre Drummond in a Laker uniform. I didn't like it. I was really hyped up. I, I was really hyped up um, when we got him. I thought exactly what we need. Um, I know we had the DeAndre Jordan. We had Dwight Howard. He was in that mode. But he just didn't get – he didn't give us what we needed. But Alex Caruso, I am definitely on board. And I tried to go do my trade machine and try to get him in a trade with Levine. Didn't work. Doesn't work. And, I mean, I'm I'm not a GM, but what I tried to do, <laughs> didn't, didn't work. So I want just dive into, you know, your, your article, points about your article and Levine trade as a whole. Right. So um, there's – two aspects like one is is he worth it which is a whole different conversation and then there's how you know what would it cost how can they get there and because of you know the lakers spent uh what's called the non-taxpayer mid-level exception which is one of the bigger spending tools they spent that on gabe vincent they also spent a different spending tool a smaller one called the biannual exception on torian prince you use these tools these specific tools and you're agreeing to have a hard cap for the year. And at that first apron, we talked about the second apron, which is where the Clippers are, where there's they're spending like crazy. They don't have the same kind of spending limit. The Lakers agreed by doing these things to have a spending limit. So they can't, period, under any circumstances, spend more than 172.3 mil this year. So they're at about 167, and it's a little higher. I mean, like you count there little details. We'll just say it's 167 and they're about 5 million under, okay? So they can make a deal that adds 5 million salary. Right? Like so they can increase their salary by up to 5 million. But they can't go an inch higher than that, no matter what. So if you trade three four guys to get to Zach's number and you have to have 14 players, mm-hmm. not talking two ways, regular contracts. Now you got to re- sign other guys or trade for other guys to fill out to 14. But they still need to stay under that number. And Zach makes a, he's he's just under the second max. He's not close to a, quite close to a super uh, to the super max. The super max, as you would call it, would be about forty seven, almost forty eight million for Zach uh, because he's in that middle band. Uh, there's three levels and he's in the second level. He's just under the max, but he has a trade kicker. So we'll just call him the max. Right. Uh, how do you add forty something million dollars, and then how do you get to that in trade? You have to send at least two, three guys, and then how do you replace those guys when you have you can only add like five million? So now it's like, well, the starting point almost certainly would have to be D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura because that's about thirty three million right there. But still, thirty three, right? Forty. We're still adding seven million in salary, right? And we just said they can only add five, but they also have to replace because they're they're trading two in our in our theory. They're trading two. They're getting one back, so they got to sign one more guy. So it doesn't work. So now it's like, okay, well, now they got to trade out someone else, get more salary. So now you're talking about either uh, uh, Austin Reeves or Gabe Vincent because those are the big salaries. Maybe it can be done, 
with uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, who's a you know the number seventeen, I think, pick in the draft this year, makes about four, just under four million, you know, three seven. You start to do the math, and it's like I can come up with some ways to get a, a Zach Levine deal done for the Lakers, but very quickly you're starting to pare down that depth, pare down that depth, mm-hmm. and to a point they they can afford that. Maybe they, they maybe they have one too many wings, right? If you or if if you like, if you say, well, they're going to play uh, Max Christie and they're going to play Cam Reddish, and you've got Rui and you've got um, Torian Prince, like it's at some point you can okay, fine, you part with one of them. But at point guard, if you're parting with D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent, like does that mean that um, Austin and and Zach are your point guards? And then also like. How did the Lakers lose last year? Like, I don't remember them losing because of point guards. Now, D'Angelo struggled a bit against the Nuggets, no doubt. But I think it was because of Jokic. Jokic was the problem, right? <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, what is what does Zach Levine do against the Nuggets? How does he help the Lakers deal with Jokic? Like, oh, because they have better shooting. Now, we're not even talking about that Zach is has had three surgeries on the same knee. Right, a kid who is not much of a kid anymore, almost thirty. I'm a UCLA guy, so I'm 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 always I, I love my UCLA guys, but like his game has always been predicated on his athleticism. Like he's always been like guy who will take it and just get air, and then can, he became a really really good shooter. He was always a good shooter. Became a really good shooter. Shooting's down. He's missing you know missing a game when we're recording this. He's missing a game because of a sore foot. You know, it's like there's the kinetic chain, like, you know, the knee hurts, then they work on the knee and now it's, well, maybe it goes down and now it's the Achilles or the foot or the heel or the ankle, or maybe it goes up and maybe it's the quad, maybe it's the hip, you know, like, it's just, you know, we're human. I'm, I'm of an age where like, you know, the body don't work as well as it used to, as far as like, you know, you don't want to see me on a court right now. You know, I can get up and down once or twice. And then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Um, But for, you know, if he was like James Harden, where at least James is in the last year of his deal, it don't work out. At least they have a choice. If you're talking about uh, Zach, you're like, well, he makes max now. He makes basically 43 the next year, but he would have a sl- small kicker potentially, but we'll call it 43. Next year after that, 46. Year after that, about 49. And it's an option, so maybe he leaves. But if we're saying maybe his body doesn't hold up, he ain't opting out of that. So are you going to tie in and then LeBron retires at some point? So it's going to, is the team that is Zach and AD going to be the one that dominates? Never mind that like Zach has never done anything in the playoffs, which he hasn't. Okay, fine. You can say, well, he was with the Wolves and the Wolves were bad when they got him. He didn't choose the Wolves. And then they traded him to Chicago and Chicago was bad. And, you know, they fired all the GM and all that, the whole front office. They redid it. Now they're now they got a new group. Last few years, it's not like they're doing a lot. They were good for about five minutes. Lonzo got hurt. Haven't been good since, right? So like, <laughs> is that Zach, or is it circumstance? I don't know, but I'm not risking that investment if I'm in charge. Now I'm not in charge, so I I don't run the Lakers. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. He's with Clutch. Clutch is represents LeBron, AD, Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish. A lot of the decisions that are made go through LeBron. They try to make LeBron happy, but LeBron is near the end. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get five more years on LeBron. I'm not going to. I'm not telling him when he's stopping, <laughs> but like he's he's of an age where it's like you know he's just starting to talk about retirement. So, 
Uh, I like Zach maybe three or four years ago when he was on a $19 million deal. He was a little under like the, that, that's the, that was the time to get him. Now's now's, you know, you say like you buy, buy low, sell high. You're doing the opposite here. So if you take into account the player's injury, the performance, as far as playoffs, the length, what you have to give to get up, get him. And it's not even negotiable. We haven't even gotten to like, are you including a draft pick? Right. Because you, we're just trying to get to the math because the Lakers' decision to have a hard cap this year. They have to give up at least Rui and, and D'Angelo. And now it's like Rui was I one of the guys you threw at, at Jokic. I can't. Right? So my conclusion was is it's not a good idea. If you're going to talk to Chicago, talk to them about role players like Drummond, and Crusoe. I'm not saying the number one choice in the entire league is go get Crusoe and Drummond, but yeah, like, and also go back two, three years. Like when Drummond got there, everyone got hurt, right? Like LeBron was, it was the year after they won, right? And that was the year AD got hurt, or no, it was the year that LeBron, it was AD got hurt, right? I forget, man. Everyone got hurt. You yeah. see what I'm saying? They yeah, I think it was, hurt. it was AD who got hurt. Yep. It was against the Suns, right? So they win in the bubble. You have the fastest turnaround in in sports history to the next season. Miami Heat get to the finals. Next year, they're nothing. Denver Nuggets gets to conference finals. They're nothing. All the teams that matter, I think, well, I forget, was it Boston? Whoever it was. No one was good that next year who played into the into the conference finals just because the, the human body don't work like that. And so they roll it over. Lakers go and do the whole Russell Westbrook thing, whatever. We, we know what happened. But they got Drummond when they got Drummond. It, I don't think he's the perfect fit, but he at least has real size and is somebody that you could throw. Like, I like Christian Wood against maybe, I thought, surprisingly, his switches on KD were interesting. Now, maybe it was just one or two games, and maybe when it matters, KD laughs at that and says, Christian Wood can't do nothing on me. I'd bet that more than anything else. But maybe Christian Wood switches well, in a way that we've never seen before, but that's more of against a KD. I don't think that's against Jokic. I don't think he has the pancakes. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he has the uh, the size, the physical heft to deal. Now, who does, right? Like you say, like, you know, the last three MVPs are Jokic and Embiid. Embiid just destroyed the Lakers, murdered them. And it's like, I just think that's where they haven't addressed things. They got guards. No one's been healthy. You know, Gabe Vincent, Vanderbilt, the defense will get better. The depth will get better. The shooting will get better when they have the depth because now people have better legs and they're in their roles. Uh, maybe they could add a piece or two here and there. But, like, is Drummond the perfect guy? No, but, like, at the same time, why are we talking about perfection? You're talking about who's the best guy you can throw in the Dwight Howard role, which was a small role back in 2020. Great role. 15 minutes against Jokic. That's all you need per game. Let AD and Rui and that fig figure LeBron figure out something with those. Find something that works, but at least have that option. I like Jackson Hayes. I think his athleticism helps them. He's got speed that Wood doesn't have. They're slow when they're like Austin and D'Lo and Braun and AD and Wood. There, that's a slow team. You put in Jackson Hayes, at least they got some speed. I don't know that they're that fast with Drummond either, but at least Drummond has size. So I'm, I didn't make this team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm looking at it and I'm saying there's some problems. They got to the conference finals. You you know, that's great. I don't know that they're better than they were last year. And if they are, I don't know that they've gotten 
better against the one team that they can't beat. And I don't know that they can beat that team yet. Now, maybe Denver's not even there. You know, like Denver can get hurt. Maybe they fall apart. They don't have the same depth either. But at the same time, you know, Jokic is pretty dang good. He's killing it. He's not got, he's not like, oh, I'm getting fat and lazy because I want a championship. He's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get fat off of you guys by eating you. <laughs> I'm going to destroy every team. <laughs> and that's the way it should be, you know? You know, I mean, if, I wish, you know, Shaq won three in a row. Like, I mean, Jokic is thinking three in a row, I, at least, you know, uh, whether they get there or not, I don't know. But watching the Lakers get destroyed by Embiid didn't exactly make me feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, this team's got the Nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I don't even put too much stock in that Philly game. We we always lose to Philly. Last time I went to Philly for a, for a game, we we got smacked. I don't put too much stock in that game. I knew it was a, it was going to be either sure really, really close or a blowout. Like it was end be- of a road trip. Like yeah. they've been traveling a lot. I get it. Shorthanded, all that. But Tonight's that center team. matchup, it worries me. And yeah, I don't think Zach that. Levine is a center. That's all I'm saying. I just don't want to overpay for him. I'm fine. I don't want to give up Rudy. That's one. That's one. Just player. taking that contract is overpaying. That's the starting point. Just having him on that contract with those knees is the overpay. Before you give up, if you gave up, like, you know, Colin Castleton, who I like, that's the two-way dude, right? Wow. Tall white guy, Tall black guy. hair, yeah. yeah, long arms. You gave him up alone, just him, no picks for Zach Levine. You arguably are still overpaying just based on the commitment in that contract. So it's not about what you're giving up as much as taking on. I talked to some teams, they wouldn't touch... I think 20 teams right now wouldn't touch Zach if you paid them. Probably 25, probably not. Maybe one or two. You know, maybe Charlotte looks at that and says, like, you know, good-looking kid. You have another, you know, put him with Mello. Got some good-looking, you know, like <laughs> sell to the, the home crowd. You know, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into, you know, you know, all of that. But there, there's a marketing aspect and that goes into this. And maybe Zach belongs somewhere where, where that's the case and it's not about winning but it's about you know bringing in bringing in the people and filling the seats and you know a handsome young guy going out there and scoring and you know let him let him be him but on someone else's dime if you're the lakers that's that but that's just me talking i i'm not in charge of that yeah i don't want to be held to the the second eight protects i i don't want to be those guys because that's just going to create more problems i don't think Jeannie bus wants that either she's I know we we chase stars, but under the right rules, we don't we don't overspend. Um, so I I can't see that being uh, the case here. Um, Austin, I don't know if you want to jump in and give some of your thoughts. I just I just don't think it, I don't don't think it equates to winning. So you get like a you know a talented player like, but he's like you said, he's uh, Eric said he's improving in the playoffs. He has a you know the, the knee history, so it, it doesn't add to the winning. And like like you were just saying, like I was just mentioning, it's not a he's not a big, so he's not going to defend um, you know Jokic deep in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, I, I don't love the move. I, you know, typically when I look at the, the Lakers or any, any team trying to make any, uh, in season moves, I kind of look at expiring contracts, you know, something you can get off the books next year. It's a, you see if it works out, um, something, a player you've had in mind, you need a, a, a specific role you're trying to fill, fill a void or something like that. But I don't see Zach Levine just because the contract numbers are so high for the next four years. I'm not going to commit 40 plus million annually to Zach. And I love watching this game. Um, like I said, I've seen him develop even at UCLA. You know, freaky athleticism, expanded his game to shooting more. Um, you know, we'll still have to see him uh, create for others. You know, I, I loved watching him and DeMar the last few seasons together, but I don't see him as a fit for the Lakers, I, personally. Yeah, it hurts my soul because I was I was convinced, like, we can get him and it wouldn't be an issue. Now Eric just broke down for me. I'm pretty, like, 
the financials, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's too much. destroyer of dreams. I'm sorry, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the numbers don't lie. It's cool because you know what? I, I'm tired of chasing stars, man. The Russell Westbrook thing was very depressing. Um, to for that to play out, didn't know if that trade was going to happen at, at the deadline and. Bringing D'Lo back, I was kind of questioning that a little bit, and still am to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, great game last night against Detroit, though. I mean, it's the Pistons. You okay. know what? The three of us and 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 two others could have a great game against Detroit right now. They're really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won, like like lost fifteen in a row. So yeah, that's not. Safe. Uh, I'll, I'll set screens. You, you you take the shots, and you got to rebound. <laughs> I, roll, not, I got I you. I got you. That that does not count. They play OKC tonight off a of back to back. Let's see what he does. Shea is on the other side of the floor. So now, now the drop 30. Please, we need it. No, they're going to – without – I haven't turned on the game. I don't know if it started yet. My prediction is they're going to get spanked, but that's just my take. Oh, Jesus. Let me check right now. I can't <laughs> – oh, it's two-point game, second quarter, 46. Okay. 46 it's just uh, – Lakers have been on the road, and right before they were on the road, they had a very heavy schedule, and they are super shorthanded, and OKC is pretty um, – Long and young and athletic, so it's just I don't I don't think that's a win, but I could be wrong. Hey, if I'm wrong, I like being wrong. Yeah, I, I asked to be wrong, but you know, <laughs> I'll stand by my analysis. Cool. Well, we, we're coming up on an important date, right? Twelve fifteen, when a lot of guys are trade eligible. Um, I don't know how many guys. Do you have some of your top guys that are eligible twelve fifteen, and then looking at you know what? I've got an assignment to do that. Um, that's actually an article I'm gonna write for Bleacher, but okay. um, I'm sort of living like in the in the the day and like the next. I'm living in today and what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah, and I, it's like next week. But um, I I would say that like any player that has re-signed with a big raise is not until January fifteenth. Okay, so like. Austin Reeves got a raise. Rui got a raise for the Lakers example. So they're January 15th. But anybody else who signed uh, just in general this summer, December 15th. And there's a few, you know, extensions are a little different sometimes. Like Super, like Jalen Brown can't be dealt at all. There's some, you know, Jared Vanderbilt can't be dealt. He got an extension. Uh, but generally speaking, like anybody you can think of who got signed this summer, if they left and went from one team to another, uh, and they did it in July. That's December fifteenth. Uh, and if it's re-signing, then it's January fifteenth. If they got a, a a substantial raise. So, um, but all of the, like the, you know, like the Halliburtons. Not that they'll be traded. Those rookie scale extensions. There's other funky stuff, but they're not trade blocked. Like your guy Cam Johnson, January fifteenth because he re-signed with the Nets, right? right. Like uh, PJ Washington didn't. He didn't get a big raise. I don't think I have to look at it where they were under the cap. I have to maybe he's January. I have to double check that one. Um, who else? Like, yeah, I mean, Kobe White, he got a decent raise for he's January 15th. So you just go like team by team who signed where and like, you know, Karis Levert came back to the Cavs, didn't get a raise December 15th, that kind of thing. Got it. All right. That makes sense. And we're going to have a, a term breakdown later. We're going to see if you could break down a couple terms in 60 seconds. Okay. We're going to test, we're going to test you out there. <laughs> but um, I, also, I know you have some questions you sent, you sent to me. Did you want to pose one of those right, right now? Yeah. I remember you had mentioned uh, some of the two-way players. Can you explain like um, the difference between a two-way contract and a typical contract? Sure. Sure. So um, at some point, I don't know how many years ago, 20-ish years ago, the league started a development league. It was called the D-League, the NBA D-League. 
then Gatorade got involved. Now it's the G League. So literally, that's that's why it's called the G League. And the idea <laughs> is 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 that like there are you know, we talked about all the players who are just not NBA caliber yet, or they're close. And you have that dream of wanting to be an NBA player, and the G, the D League, the development league, didn't pay well. It wasn't really attached to the. It was like the teams in the NBA had, or a lot of them had a partner, but it didn't pay any. It paid like twenty something thousand, if that. You know, like eighteen originally. Like it was, you know, if, if that's what you you can't live off of that. You know, an average person isn't living off of that. Let alone like you know, we were talking about oh, like you know you know, a million dollars, they're not making anything in the NBA or whatever. Like that's still a million dollars. Right. Uh, so at some point, um, and, and, and what you, if you want to keep that dream alive, you stay in the D league and you try to catch on just cause you're at least close. The teams are seeing you, you're close by and they might call you up and you might get like a, a, a contract. However, there's that money calling from Turkey, from China, from you know Russia, from, you know, the Euro league, Israel, Tel Aviv has a league like it's it, it's all over where there's actual money. And so a lot of guys were giving up on that dream and getting paid and, you know, hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, five hundred, whatever you got to do. So uh, but the league is like losing the next level of talent to these European leagues or whatever overseas leagues. And so wh- how, how can we leverage if you're the NBA? How can we leverage this minor league that we have that's not doing much? to keep guys local. And so what they did is they created the two-way contract. It used to be that you could have a pair, now you could have three of them. And these are guys who are in the past would have been playing in in, you know, Istanbul. But now they're playing for the, you know, Rio Grande Valley Vipers for whatever the Rockets or something like that. I I think I got it right. Yeah. I don't know, I still try, still trying to remember everybody. Every team's affiliate, but the idea is that you're signing at this year, and they've raised the money too. So at this year, it's like half a million. So it's like half of a minimum contract. So like almost like five fifty ish, five sixty ish. You're getting. You you can't play on the NBA team for more than fifty games, but you're halfway in, halfway out. So you're going through the program. You're with the team. You're practicing with the team, but they'll assign you to the G League, which is where you can really get your minutes. Because if you know you're playing on you know with the best teams in the league, they're trying to win. They're not developing those fringe guys, but you you're still getting that development time. Mm-hmm. But like for the Lakers, as an example, like they right now have injuries. So like guys like Alex Fudge, Demoy Hodge, and Colin Castleton are probably going to play uh, if the Thunder game gets out of hand. Or if they just, you know, like need guys to play, you know, like they played the other night against Detroit. So uh, it's the idea is to get them to, um, you know, develop and you can't poach them. It's like they're under contract with their team. So it's not like the way it used to be is you develop players in the G League uh, and then the ones who get good get picked up by someone else before you even get to someone else can take them because they like them. So they changed the system that way. So now there's that two-way contract there's up to 90 players we have last check about 89 i'd have to recount like i think every spot was filled but one maybe two uh and so it's it's a great mechanism and then the 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 like additional benefit is like they've they've increased the the g league salaries for the guys who aren't on two ways so you can get a little bit more money plus you can get a bonus from the nba team so 
if, if the salaries were like 18 back in the day or 20 now, maybe they're 40 something. And then on top of that, you're getting like a $75,000 bonus from the team to go play in the, in the G league. So it's like 75 from the NBA team. This is not for the two ways. These are called exhibit tens. It's like 75 plus 40, call it 115. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's in that range, right? And then if you get like a two-way contract or a 10-day contract, 10-day contract is like in January, the team brings you up, you're with the team for 10 days, they have an injury or whatever. That can be a way to get extra money. It's not uncommon. That might pay like uh, for a rookie, like 64,000 for 10 days or a vet in the hundred, like a hundred, hundred to 200, not quite 200, but in that range. So now it's like you get your 75 from the team, your 40 for the G League salary. You get a call up for 10 days, maybe 20 because you can get two 10 days. And now suddenly you're making like 500K or 400, 500K. You're not playing in, you know, in Russia or in China or whatever. You're chasing your dream. You're playing in front of NBA talent as far as uh, scouts and executives and whatnot. And uh, the caliber of play, it kind of snowballs. Like more guys stay, the level of play gets better and better. And you have so you have better basketball. And so the league has grown. You have two-way players to fill in. And, and we're finding like sometimes a two-way player like Alex Caruso is like an NBA player. They just needed the opportunity. Maybe under the old ways, like Alex ends up somewhere else and has to go cash in and never gets this chance to, you know, he started, what was it, game six, was it, when the Lakers won the championship against the Heat? He was the starter. So in 2020, so like, you know, and then he gets, he's getting, what, nine-ish million this year in that range. Yeah. So it's a stepping stone to earning for players who in the past would have to go overseas. And so, yeah, that's that's my my probably two wordy answer on what the two way is. <laughs> nice. Thank you, man. Great detail. I love the breakdown. Appreciate yes, it. Sir. And it's crazy to see, you know, during a draft, like how many players are like, I'd rather not get drafted in the second round. I'd rather get a two way contract. I'd rather get an undrafted free agency contract. So that is becoming apparent in the draft as well, how important these two way contracts are. And a, a little nugget about me, I actually tried out back in the D league for the Springfield armor. Oh, nice. And I can guarantee you, if the pay was a little bit more, I would have tried a little bit harder. Because <laughs> I wasn't going overseas. I said I didn't, I didn't want to go overseas. Like I played, um, I played under Dan Hurley at St. Benedict's Prep. Went on to play Division One at New Jersey Institute of Technology. It was a grind. Like it was serious grind on my body, and I wasn't in the NBA. Like, and I felt I felt it already. So I said I wasn't going overseas. I wanted to stay, you know, close to my family and start my career. And you know, I got invited to the to the G League, I mean to the D League tryout, and you know, it was like a doggy dog environment. Like everybody's just going at each other. It's like jail ball, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it wasn't really a motivation factor for me. Like, how, how much am I gonna earn? Twenty five grand? I can't do it, boss. I can't. Right. Do it. Well, I mean, if your dream is to get in the NBA and you think that's the path, <laughs> right? But if you're also saying like, this is probably not where I'm gonna end up because it's so hard to get there. Mm -hmm. that like yeah we're find what find how you're gonna earn you know whatever like you know those are difficult decisions hell i like stopped playing football in in high school after my second year uh because i had like built out a dj business as like a teenager like back when it was records seriously and then eventually like you know cds and stuff like that and then then eventually just like uh, bring your laptop and whatever but um you know like telling the coach like that 
you know, it was hard because you're saying goodbye to like something you put so much effort into. Uh, but yeah, we, it's called also called growing up. You know what I mean? It's like you have to make, <laughs> you know, it's. it's yeah. I tell my kids it's like it's um, you know at least we try to. They're a little bit older now, but like you want to give them like the world is whatever you want it to be. But the hard part is now when you start to say goodbye to some of those things, because you start to have to pick and choose. You can't do everything. Nope. Do you know, we try to tell them you can do, be whatever you want to be. It's hard to be everything though. So now you got to start to pick and choose. So tough, tough adulting decisions. So I'm sure that was a tough one. It was a serious dilemma for like months. Like I actually like prayed on it and said, listen, just show me which way you want me to go. It's not yeah. like I was, I was having like, corporate people giving me offers like i didn't have any money i was broke co- coming out of college like i was like i don't know which way i'm going man i, I really don't want to do this so yeah it, it was really a, a serious dilemma but I, I worked for the nba for almost 10 years shortly after right. that um and and just happy with my how my career is going so I'm, yes, I'm blessed um one question that austin have and i'm gonna ask it sorry austin right, go ahead do you think he he wanted to know um uh, what are some of your favorite current NBA contracts and all-time favorite contracts. I'm going to expound on that and say, was there a move in your time covering the league where you were like, that's an interesting way of looking at how to maneuver the salary cap? Oh, and sure, 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 of that. course. Um, I'd have to think about that. That's a tough one uh, as far as like singling out. So like um, there are interesting contracts. There are interesting moves. There are surprises. Sometimes they're not good surprises. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why are you doing, why, are you, you know, <laughs> that's not what you should be doing. Um, but like, generally speaking, um, my career sort of taking me a little bit more on the agent side of, of the coin, as far as, uh, I've been tutoring and advising agents, uh, to help, uh, well, actually they're not agents yet. Students who are taking the agent exam in January to become agents. And that's something I've been doing for several years now. And so I actually have two perspectives now, uh, you know, coming up as a journalist, it's usually like written from the team perspective and the fan is usually from the team perspective, but now I have a different perspective. I have like, well, what's a good contract from the agent's perspective. So if I look at like Jaden McDaniel's contract with the wolves, I don't like it for the wolves and the wolves are playing pretty well this year. Not mad at them, but like, I think they took on a lot of risk just based on they have like almost was it 90 ish or 80 whatever 85 ish invested in just cat and gobert and then you're paying ant whose money's going to kick in next year at like the max and then you've got now you're paying mcdaniels too who i like uh but you're paying him another 20 something and like there's so much risk there it's like well why didn't you wait for restricted free agency because it's really rare for a player to get an offer sheet and um, odds are is that you could have paid him that later, same deal or less, or maybe more, but you probably had all the leverage. So why not wait and not assume that risk right now? So when you say like, what do I like? Do I like that for the team? Not really, but then you have to flip it. I like it for the agent. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, you, you got a deal, you got it without worrying about restricted free agency, which is very team favorable. Uh, you got like the, the the kid could develop into a defensive player of the year type player, but he might not. He may, but you can't control that. And the thing is, is like he's hurt right now. I don't think it's too bad, but I I, w- I was at the Lakers game a week or so ago, 
dude comes out to shoot the half court shot, the fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> misses the shot, tears his Achilles. No, no lie. Like on the court. Like that's just crazy. Like guys get hurt. Like Kelly Oubre, we don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds like he got clipped by a mirror or something on his bike or whatever. He got hit by a car. Yeah, I know some people were trying to say like maybe it didn't happen, but like as far as I know, like, you know, I'm I'm buying that it happened until someone tells me otherwise. I don't think he got hit by like a car hitting him like that, but like I think he got clipped. So like whatever, like it's, you know, as far as like really interesting contracts, to me they're always interesting. It's it's like I I teach by showing like here's a here's a simple contract. I'm like, all right, well then not show a different contract. And I'm like, oh wow, this is slightly different. Let's look at how it's different. So I geek out on off of all that stuff. But um like you look at some teams, um, you know, I think I, I don't necessarily want to shout out Daryl Morey too much because I think he goes too far with it. But I think that he and the people in Houston who are like the Morey tree uh, tend to like overuse the rules to like, we can do this, so let's do it. And sometimes that can be like creative. And then sometimes it could be like, uh, all right, whatever. And I thought that the jazz were pretty funny where they gave like Paul Reed this very Daryl Morey type offer sheet just to say basically like, we know where you're going to match, but this right. is just like an F you to you for all this BS that you've been doing. So like, do I like what Daryl does sometimes? But do I like what you, I don't think Utah gave him, if Utah really wanted Paul Reed, they didn't offer enough. But I, if, if they were like, we're, we're not even going to get the guy, this is just an F you, then that's one of my favorite contracts. Absolutely. So, you know. <laughs> I look for stuff with personality. You know, that, that contract had personality. See a little Danny Ainge action in, uh, you know. Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge, yeah, Utah, absolutely. That brings in my next question. Are there any uh, front offices in any organizations in particular that, that you like or that you, um, you know, just in, in general that you have seen some some things they've done and try to model, sure. you know, personal favorites? Well, I mean, I, I learned from, from all of them, both good and bad. You know what I mean? So, like, um, and just an example, and this isn't like uh, necessarily answering the question directly, but like the Hawks gave Bogdanovich an early extension before knowing the rules of the CBA. And I thought that was short-sighted. Um, but at the same time, like from their point of view, like they felt like if they're getting a guy at like a descending contract that's averaging in around 16 million a year, they felt like that was going to be a good contract under the new CBA they didn't know. And I knew that they had some tax issues, but they were able to make got out of John Collins. So like from a point of view, like I didn't like what they did. And then I talked to them and then I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying. So I don't, I feel like there's a lot of nuance. There's not a lot of like, this is the correct thing. And this is the wrong thing. There's always point of views and like teams or agents or play. Everyone's got their point of view. And so I find all of it to be fascinating. You know, I think the Celtics do some interesting things with their cap. I've got one of my former students runs the cap in Brooklyn. So I'm always, you know, enjoying what they're doing. Uh, you know, I think Charlotte and Chicago probably need to step it up a little bit. Like there's some teams that, you know, I didn't like, like the move to stretch Batum to be able to afford Gordon Hayward made no sense to me because Hayward was getting overpaid and was coming off injury. Didn't fit the timeline of what I thought the team was on. And then you're paying Batum who is still a good player, not a great player, but like out of all the players that the Sixers got, he's probably the most valuable. He helped the Clippers. So like, why weren't you getting value out of Batum? Even if he was overpaid, why? Anyway, don't get me started. Uh, Miami <laughs> always does some interesting stuff. Uh, I think that, um, 
I, the verdict's out on Houston. I haven't decided yet. Um, I think Indiana does the well with what they have to work with as far as a franchise, not a free agent destination. Their owner doesn't want them to tank, so they're never going to be doing like the full-on Wemby sweepstakes. I mean, last year they kind of did, but that was more because they had injuries than it was that they were trying to be bad. Uh, let's see. Um, I think the Knicks who have a terrible reputation dating back to whatever do run their organization relatively conservatively well with their numbers. I don't necessarily, I need to see where they go with it. Um, but I think that their reputation of years ago shouldn't reflect on who they are the last few years. Okay. See, I really respect what Presti's doing, uh, and how he's doing it. And the talent there is unquestionable. Should he be going for it? I thought he explained himself really well before the season. And I sort of agree that like, we kind of know what they have and they're basically saying, we're going to wait a little bit longer, but they may be a playoff team already. So I kind of like what, you know, what they're doing. Uh, Don't necessarily like what Phoenix has done recently. We'll see if it pays off. Um, You know, and like Utah's smart, like, Zanuck and and I think you know we'll see what what the result is. I also I'm curious to see like Michael Winger came from the Clippers, and I thought that the Clippers made year after year very uh, favorable deals, and I'm curious to see if that was the group that they had, or did Michael Winger have a an impact on that, and did that go to Washington where he's now running the Wizards, and did the Clippers sort of lose some of that, um whatever, whatever he had that he brings wingers good. And the Clippers are good at deals and the Clippers stay good at deals. Or maybe Washington now is going to be much better at deals. Cause I didn't think they were great in the deals they were getting, although they got some good deals against uh plink and the Lakers. I thought they did, did well in the what Russ trade and some moves around that. But so yeah, individual trades, individual moves, individual contracts. Like it's to me, there's, you know, it's, it's all fascinating to see how it evolves. Uh, and then also everything I just said, like where these teams are, where they are now, like they evolve and they devolve. <laughs> some get better, some get worse. You know, it's like I and people want to give credit for great moves and things that happened to people sometimes who don't deserve it. And it's just like circumstance happened and they took advantage of what was in front of them. And really, they're not good with it, what they do. And it just sort of worked out. And then some people are great at what they do. And then somebody steps on, you know, a, a ball and trips and you know, gets hurt and it's like, you did everything right, made all the right decisions, didn't work out. And then you get, maybe you get fired after a year or two. And it's like, well, that sucks, but it's not because you weren't great. It was just that things didn't work out. So it's a tough industry. Yeah, it, it really is tough because I have a GM in mind that I will never forgive. And that's Mitch Kupchak. I will never forgive him for that little all dang Tim- Timothy Mozgov summer. And then we, <laughs> then we had to attach... Mozgov to D'Angelo Russell, but we ended up our scouting department apartment kind of bailed us out because we got Kuzma with that pick we got from Brooklyn, so we kind of got bailed out a little bit. But I'll never, I'll never forgive him, forgive him for that. It was the worst feeling ever seeing those contracts fly through, and that was a crazy summer overall of people just getting paid. And then I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about why you think why you don't like what Phoenix did this summer, because I actually think they made out pretty well given what they were, were were dealt with, you know, to get Bill and still have Aiton on the books, that was ugly. That was, that was uh, for me, in my opinion, that was ugly. So, so we able to flip that to get, you know, Nurkic, um, Nazir Little. I just, 
I think, I think we already had this conversation. His name is uh, Bradley Levine Beal. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what what's the difference? You know, like super expensive, multi-year, body, been breaking down for years. What kind of playoff success does Beal have? Is he healthy now? No. He's not. Okay. So, but, I mean, but I they were bringing in Nurkic. So, they did bring in somebody to uh, eh, like Nurkic. Sure. Like, I don't, is Nurkic better than Aiton? At some things, yes. At some things, no. Like, point. the uh, Nurkic in two, three years, how important is he? Like, oh. realistically, like, he's, he's just at the cusp of like not, last few years, he's barely made any impact, been hurt. Yeah. I do think he's a better passer. And this is before the Suns got him. I knew him to be a better passer. He, he's, relatively slow-footed he's not but he's not lumbering but he's not great on certain switches but then he's good on like there's some things he does well on defense and then there's some things you can exploit uh like if if i'm getting out of Aiton, i might be looking for a very different return than bradley beal just flat out like i'm not i'm not going getting rid of my young guy to get an overpaid not saying he's older but you know, like 30 ish is older in the NBA and track record speaks for itself. Like you have KD that solves a lot of problems. Booker's, you know, pretty magical too when he gets going and they did okay in minimum guys, certainly, you know, like in trading for Grayson Allen was, he's very solid. He's a, you know, should be a rotation player on almost any team, at least top seven on any team in the league. I think you could say Grayson Allen is probably ballpark a rotation player. Is he a starter? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just think they're they're boxed into who they are. You've got Durant next year, fifty-one, Beal fifty, Booker forty-nine, Nurkic eighteen, Nasir Little, whatever, maybe you can get out of him, but six seven. And then you have no like, well, all you can have is at the minimum, you add players at the minimum because you're into those aprons. We'll see where they go and how it all works out, but like their minimum salary next year guaranteed already is like one seventy five. So, you know, it's like it better work. If it don't work, I don't, you know, like if you if if you go all in and it's like LeBron when he's 22 years old, sure, right? Like if you're going all in on Giannis when Giannis is like, Giannis is already now, he's like 30, right? So now it's like, sure. But like Giannis at 25 when he was like becoming MVP, there's some guys you go all in on. KD, who's you don't think Book is one of those? Who Luca? Book Devin Booker. Booker. I mean, I don't think you can win with just Booker. I think Booker's a a really nice player, but like he's nowhere close to Jokic. Austin, Austin, your your blood's boiling. No, I mean that's 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 a fair assessment. I mean he's he's gone to the finals with you know a a talented cast, but I think this this team, um, I don't think they complement his skill set as much as the other team, but I think you have to make a move, especially uh, with the new ownership. Like you're, you're going all in, right? Like you, you want to win. So I think, you know, they just, I guess so. I mean, there are ways of going all in that are not tying yourself to, you know, a 30 something year old guy who's hurt a lot, plays the same position as your best player and (laughs) is super expensive and hasn't done much. Like, okay. Like they did, he did some stuff in the playoffs when it was, I remember with John wall, and Bradley Beal, they did a few things, but man, how long ago was that? Eight Seven, years ago? Something like that. 2015. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So, oh, damn, I'm pretty good, right? That's eight years, right? Shoot. That's a long time, right? So, you know, I know that like where I was eight years ago, shoot, I was still, I was still playing at the park eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't be doing that right now. I, you know, tweak my back a little bit. I can't be playing at the park, maybe in the backyard a little bit, but you get my point. It's like eight years is a long time and I'm not out there playing every day like these guys are. And, and it's damaging. And it, the human body is such that like, you know, it's like so sometimes means, things don't come back, you know? Uh, so I don't do you, know if it's back for Bill. Are, are you ahead. buying into uh, the, the teams that dollar teams are doing with the small ball, small ball lineups and like best man five lineups as opposed to just traditional center? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like uh, when D'Antoni came in, the, and he's not the one who invented it, but Mike D'Antoni took over the Suns. He's like, I'm just going to play the best five players that I have. And so Amari Stoudemire, who was clearly in that day a power forward and was not a center, and Sean Marion, who clearly in that day was not a power forward and was clearly <laughs> a small forward, they were now moved up a spot. So now Amari's a center. Sean Marion's a power forward. And they just took the league in a way that like, you know, and of course they didn't win. There was some, some of it was luck. Some of it was injuries. Some of it was that there were some issues defensively, but like it worked. They took a team that was nothing and made them something really incredible. And uh, the league has sort of taken that. And then I think the Warriors have like, doubled up and tripled up on what they were, but they also have like the best shooters arguably of all time, Steph and Clay. Uh, I know they're getting a little bit older and they had like the ultimate, like if Dan Tony had Draymond green, man, whew, back in that era, like those Suns teams with Draymond green at that, at the four or at the five shoot, man. Those, yeah. Put them in, you know, Amari and him figuring it out, playing the both of them. And then, you know, that'd be incredible. So uh, I, I think that, Small ball works until you get up against Jokic, and then it's like, well, it might work, <laughs> but it might not. And last year, no, nothing worked against him. And so, like, it's a big man's game, like, to an extent. But, like, I saw Iverson beat the Lakers that one game in the finals. I was there for that. I was, I love that game. You know, I, I love Iverson. And, you know, you see Trey's probably the closest to Iverson that we got now as far as, like, a small guard who can do crazy things like that, not the most efficient player and he's he's won some big games, and he hasn't quite gotten to the heights of what what uh, Allen Iverson had got to as far as getting to the finals. Uh, but it you know it's it's not only a big man's game, and the way that the three point shot has become like a, a the threes. Everyone was like, oh man, the Suns take so many threes. You look back at the threes they took. Now they'd be like the bottom team in the league as far <laughs> as the number of threes they took. If you talk about their pace. At the, their pace, it was like a wave would just wash over. Like you'd be up by six against the Suns, and Steve Nash and those guys would get going, and a wave would hit a twenty point swing. Boom! Like in three minutes, four minutes, suddenly you you know you went you were up. Now you're down double digits. Now another few minutes go by, you're down twenty, and you're like, "What the hell happened?" Right? And they are right now would be like the slowest paced team in the league. If that team then that was like the fastest crazy paced team they'd be super slow, right? They'd be like the Grizzlies now or something like that, or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> or I guess we got to pick on who we picking on the Pistons or whoever, whoever's struggling. I don't know pace right now. Who's the slowest pace. I'm, you know, so anyway, uh, but I, I think that it's, it's, you, you play with the best players that you have. I mean, if you could all get Jokic and all get Embiid, it would be a big league if there was a bunch of those guys, but there's, you know, it's, it's hard to get seven foot guys or in that range who can, 
do what those guys can do. I mean, Embiid is a hell of a scorer, and Jokic is arguably one of the best passers we've ever seen in the league out of that position, and he can score, and he's not soft. You know, the, the when I came up, like, you know, the people thought that European players were soft. I thought it was always unfair, but that was like the the knock. And like Dirk was sort of like, you know, I'm a jump shooter and we're going to win a title. And if you can call us soft all you want, but we're still going to win. And they, and they eventually won. And I think over time the world has changed and no one's calling you. Okay. You, you got to deal with his brothers too. Shoot. Those, those big, those big boys. <laughs> I'm messing with them. Uh-uh. I'm not messing with large Serbian guys. No, no, hell no. Yoke is just far from soft. I, I did notice you, you said something. I want to not talk about it, but just pointed out, you said Trey Young is probably the closest thing to Iverson. That may be, but there's still a guy named Kyrie Irving too, as well, who who's probably I think probably above Trey Young when you talk about Iverson, uh, Iverson comparisons. Um, that's all I really had as far as topics. I do want to get into this flash terms round. Um, okay. Where contract like, verbiage? We're gonna we're gonna test your ability to compress intricate CBA terms into a minute. I'm gonna start my. I'm gonna get my stopwatch right now. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. Here we go. I'm starting it. Double apron tax. Double apron tax. Yes. That's not technically a thing. All right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the correct term? Uh, well, so the tax is independent of the aprons. Like the tax itself is the tax, and it's based on how much you spend. The aprons are like we're taking away your tools if you reach a certain number. So they're parallel things that run in parallel, but they're not. And it's also I'm with you. Like I called it the double apron when I first heard about it, but now I've got to rewrite everything in my mind. Second apron, second apron, second apron. But they're two separate things that run in parallel. Got it. Bird rights. Bird rights, uh, well, those are basically the ability to keep or to pay your own player uh, a certain amount. There's non-bird, early bird, full bird, and uh, they ramp up depending on number of years. And you can go over the cap to pay your players, but within the limitations of how many, what particular rights you have. When does a player become extension eligible? Well, it's going to be depending on their type of contract. So rookie scale, which is a one through 30 pick, is going to be after their third year, before their fourth year. And so that's in and of itself something separate. Then you have other players. So if you sign a three-year deal, you can get an extension on the two-year anniversary. If you sign a four-year deal, two-year anniversary. If you sign a five-year deal, three-year anniversary, six-year deal, which is difficult to do in most cases. There aren't many six-year deals. Usually they're the Supermax. Then it's also a three-year uh after three year anniversary upon signing. And then there's a little nuance where like if you signed October 12th, they treat that as October 1st. So there's a little bit of funkiness there as well. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's more detail than you're going to get from most people. <laughs> and then restricted free agent. A restricted free agent is a player who's been given a qualifying offer by a team uh, to uh, so they are either coming off of their rookie scale, which is the one through 30. They didn't extend. They finished their contract four years. They were given a qualifying offer in June leading up to July. They've now gotten to July and that qualifying offer is still on the table. They're a restricted free agent. It's also a, a player with fewer than four years of service. Years of service is how long you've been in the league. And so uh, 
The exceptions to that would be like Jalen Smith, who was a rookie scale, but didn't finish his contract with the the options. So he was a free agent with fewer than four YOS years of service and wasn't restricted. So there's always this is the rule, but that's kind of the whole thing. And then there's also two way players. Anyone coming off a two way contract, if given a qualifying offer, uh, would be a restricted free agent. All right, I gave you the impossible task. That was two minutes and thirty. That seconds. was easy. I talking about I can do this. Oh, all wow. <laughs> but um, that's all I had. Really appreciate your time. This was really insightful and kind of put my perspective on a lot of things in check. Um, because there's more than you know what meets the eye with these contracts, with these transactions, and you know the Levine thing. I'm gonna have to sit with a little bit. But um, tell us. <laughs> Tell us about Sports Business Classroom a little bit. In, in yes, that. sir. So uh, we have a, a program where year-round we have some webinar uh, uh, downloadable content, uh, mostly on the collective bargaining agreement. So if you want to learn about it, uh, you can sign up and uh, you know get those kind of classes or join our webinars, to see them on Twitter. I work with Bobby Marks uh, of ESPN. Uh, and so uh, we also have like our flagship and it's not officially announced yet for the year, but every July at Summer League, we do uh, an educational program at the Thomas Mack Arena where Summer League is. And uh, last year we had about 120 students and uh, we teach them salary cap. We teach them scouting, video and analytics, media and broadcast. And what I love about it is that we really help people get jobs. And so we've got people all throughout the league or with agencies or with shoe companies or with media companies, you know, either, you know, whatever Turner or, you know, whatever PR, I go to Clipper games and like some of the PR staff I know from our former students or uh, GMs of G league teams are like uh, Amber Nichols runs the capital city. Go, go uh, Nick Legios runs the uh, Capitanes in Mexico city. They're former students. So we actually gear the program on trying to help people, break into the league it's all about networking it's all about being good at what you do providing value and it's a blast we have a great mock trade deadline that lasts throughout like the whole week it's a blast um love what i do um and and we also if you're trying to be an agent we also work with with uh folks who are trying to be agents try to help them prepare for the agents exam and of course you can always catch me on bleacher report in this particular case telling you why zach levine wasn't the right call we went beyond those numbers, dude. Uh-uh. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, we have a lot of people that we talk to daily, our friends that think they know a lot about basketball. I implore you, if you're watching this, to test that knowledge. Visit Sports Business Classroom and, and see their, their um, what's the word for, like, a a class? A curriculum? Yeah, curriculum. Jesus Christ. There you go. Curriculum. And, uh. Test your knowledge and and actually get intimate with it because this is this is fun learning about this stuff with, with with everyone and um just talking basketball with you guys. But yes, sir. Awesome. Did you have anything? No, I just say just keep up the good work. I was reading some of your articles. I was reading the um the one you did with about salary cap variance the other day, and I was just like, whoa! I did not know it was this intricate and stuff like that. But just you know, you know, you got some fans over here. Just appreciate what you do. So thanks for thanks for, for coming sir. on. Well, I appreciate it. And and it's all learnable. It's all knowable. It is a little daunting when you first jump into it. Uh, the, the last thing you do is just start reading the CBA. You got to like know how to learn this stuff. 
Um, but that's what I do. And so uh, if you're listening and you're curious, just reach out. I'm easy to find on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. And we All hope right. to have you back, man. We hope to have you back a few more times. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we hope yes, we uh, see you in Vegas this summer. Maybe we can make it out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Enjoy it. Absolutely. All right, Eric. Thank you.